Welcome to the Driving Dentistry Forward podcast, where successful dental pros and anyone who values the power of a smile can get an edge in the dynamic worlds of healthcare and business. Hosts Chuck Cohen and Rick Cohen speak with top influencers in the world of dentistry and explore essential tools, trends worth your time, and solutions that help you practice smarter. Congratulations on being a 40 under 40 uh, nominee and winner. Um, where is this podcast finding you? Um, thank you for having me on your podcast. First of all, I mean, it was definitely um, an honor to be selected as a recipient of the Incis Incisal Edges 40 Under 40 Award. And even more among like the other amazing recipients that are on there. And I'm like reading all their stuff. I'm like, oh, wow, this, this is so cool. And so some of them I know. And so it was actually really cool to reconnect and, and see that. So um, I am currently in Vegas and that's where I practice. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So, in my living room. Bright and early then. <laughs> bright and early. Yeah. Three hours before you. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, um, well, uh, so that's news to me that you knew others in the 40 under 40. Uh, did you know them from dental school or were they also uh, from Las like, Vegas or? Just through like continuing education and in like Marie, Marina Ambridge in Arizona and um her I met at AACD, which I'm really active with. Um, Diana Tadras, she's part of Koi's, and I've met her through friends. Um, yeah, and so it's it was really nice to see other young females in there too, and so um, it was really cool. Marina actually reached out to me first, and she's like, "Hey, you're on here too!" So it was it was cool. It was definitely cool. It's definitely easy to find females. The it, dentistry is def is without question a, a, a profession for females. Not only are over 50% of the graduates female, but everyone else in the office, 95% of them are female. So it is uh, very much a, uh, it's shifted from male to female over the years. Mm -hmm. um, and how's Las Vegas these days? Uh, the, the certainly had um, probably some hiccups during the virus, the worst of the virus, but have you felt that in your practice? Um, you know, knock on wood, we were closed for a little bit like most people, um, but we came back pretty strong in May, um, obviously different, you know, as most experienced in their practice, but um, we've been pretty busy and slammed and actually a lot of my colleagues, I was just talking with one yesterday, she has a, a startup that she started, it's, she's going into her fourth year now and she's been slammed too. And so it's good, um, but we definitely, you know, like just like everyone across the country, I think went through a little bit of a hard time, but it's, it's funny how COVID and you come out and, and I've heard it time and time again, and people say last year was actually, I thought it would be a terrible year. And actually, you know, between scheduling better and more efficiently, it's actually wasn't that bad, you know, in terms of how we ended the year. And so, you know, it was rocky a little bit in the middle there, but towards the end, it just goes to show with, you know, efficient scheduling and things like that, you can actually still make it through the end of the year. I just thought that was really interesting. I'm actually hearing it more and more from dentists as, um, as, and it's very interesting to hear it from you. It sounds like you used the downtime to really look to re-engineer how you were doing things. And you mentioned that you've gotten a lot of efficiency. So it sounds to me like you were able to do more dentistry or more efficiently thanks to some changes you made during the pandemic. Is there anything you can point to? Um, 
I mean, we, I'm in a private practice. I'm in um, more of a luxury and private practice. And it has had that reputation for a long time, 20 years here in town. And so it's not like we never had the time to spend with patients. I just think how we scheduled was more efficient. And so we are fully digital office. We're fully CEREC office. Um, and I just think we were smarter with how we did things. It's not like we cut time. So it's not like you cut the patient time, which was, you know, equivalently important. That's what, you know, our reputation is, which is great. Um, but yeah, I just think little things. And, and we took that time, like you said, we had a ton of Zoom meetings. And so that was fun. We have a, an array of, you know, ages in the office. And so getting everybody on Zoom was super fun. Um, and yeah, well, I think we we had some training over Zoom. We had um, we watched some CEs together over Zoom. We had like assignments for um, our front staff to go watch certain things over. It was I think that really helped not only keep us together and grounded and and come back hitting the ground running, but we had an opportunity to really like um, I guess you could say like really teeter our schedule and really say okay let's do this. And we had to shift our schedule. We're like okay, we anticipate opening. April 15th, but you know, the governor was a little lax and pushed it back. And so we had to kind of um, move people, but they were very flexible. We're like, we're hoping to do this, but anticipate, we would anticipate the next month, but you know, do like a soft opening if you would to kind of come back. And so I, I just think we were better communicating I think that's one of the big things, not only between our own team, but our with our patients. And I think that really, really helped. You know, the shutdown was so scary. It was scary for us. I mean, it, it's easy to say, what's the big deal now? But I mean, sure. we didn't know when things would come back. And so we also used that time to really re-engineer our processes. And I think the smartest dentist did exactly the same. Um, we recognize we can't do dentistry in these months. We recognize after that, the schedule won't be quite as full. Let's use this time to take a breather, really think about how we've been running our practice and then make things more efficient. So it sounds like you did that, which is yeah. really smart and really great. Um, yeah. So you, you mentioned it's a, it's, a, it's a higher end practice and um, I'd love to know more about your practice and um, uh, where it is, how long you've been doing it. And uh, you mentioned you're fully digital, but I'd love to know more. Sure. So I'm actually an associate. And so I market the practice with my boss, my colleague, um, Dr. West, she's amazing. And so she actually, so it's based in Vegas. I'm in Summerlin. So it's um, a little bit North. Um, and hmm, so she has been in airway dentistry since 2010, 15. Early, early, early for airway dentistry. Early adopter. Yep. She was LVI trained. Um, and that'll come into perspective in a minute, but she was an amazing neuromuscular trained doctor. She did, you know, FMRs, full mouth restorations and all this, that, and got into airway very, very early, um, back when everybody was making fun of airway. Right. And so, um, and she lectures in airway. And so she, I had the opportunity to join her practice from another private practice. Um, I just needed an opportunity to grow and that was my opportunity. And so I do um, pretty much all of the dentistry there and um, it's a great fit. And so we, um, we deal with 
uh, anything, any airway issues. Obviously a patient comes in, they get a full spectrum of a comprehensive exam, including airway analysis. Um, we have a sleep, a dedicated sleep um, staff that kind of manage that. And so we do really good handoff that way. Um, and then, like I said, I do all the dentistry in combination with, you know, making sure we address people's airway issues as well. Interesting. So. There's so many um, people that suffer from sleep apnea. I've, I've just read a statistic which blew me away. A billion people in the world, they expect, suffer from sleep apnea. Many have no idea that they have it because they're asleep when the symptoms are happening. Um, and uh, I happen to have a close friend who um, was in denial. He would admit that he was in denial for two years that he had a real problem. Um, he didn't go the dentistry route. I think his situation was a little bit too severe. He went with a CPAP and he cannot stop raving about how his life has been turned around. Um, he was falling asleep while he was driving. I mean, it was like really scary, scary, right. Very scary. Yep. And, and, and even more so, you know, there's a lot of, um, depending on people's career path. So truck drivers, you know, you see that a lot, but a lot of them can't necessarily, and you have to remember this, it's actually, you know, some people can't have it on their insurance record either, which makes it really tough to get the care that you need. Mm. I mean, I'm blessed to be in a practice where I'm able to learn all this stuff too. And I think that's, that's huge for a young dentist as well, but I, it's amazing that, you know, sometimes they have to pay out of pocket to do that and to get the care you need. And that's not always on people's spectrum financially. And so we need to make it possible for them to get that access to that care. Right. And so, um, I just think it's, it's such an important part of dentistry. If you're doing for me, when I do small makeovers and when I do full mouth restorations, which, which I have, um, you know, I'm able, I'm grateful. I'm able to do things like that in the practice. Um, that's something that you have to pay attention to because you're resetting everything. And so com combining that and making sure the flow, like a patient's experience, a patient's flow through making sure they get that, um, the airway addressed and then coming in for the dental side is really, really important. And so um, we're always improving on those, those, that flow, of course, it's, it's a, it's always a work in progress, but it, it works well. And people I think really appreciate it. And I always say, you know, it's fine if you don't want to go through with it or you're not ready to do that yet, but realize it's my job to tell you. Mm. And so it's important. And as a provider to be able to have that, and we have great re relationships, longstanding, obviously with physicians in town here, which is also really, really important. Um, and yes, there's some physicians that you get pushed back from, but most have actually pretty, pretty much gone on the bandwagon, even with people that are, because we can't prescribe a CPAP, right? But we can work with patients and some people are CPAP intolerant. So right. what do you want to do there? Right. And so having those options is huge and having, we do um, Vivos as well in the office. Oh, how, yeah. How do you like, we, we just begun, we've just begun learning about Vivos. Oh, it, it works. If you can do it with kids, you can do it with adults. It takes longer, obviously. What percentage of the cases are you really able to fix without a CPAP with Vivos? Um, oh, that's a good one. So we really started incorporating Vivos in the last, I said, 18 months, mm. um, pretty heavily. Um, we have, and so most of our cases are still in treatment. Right. Mm -hmm. But you can see the difference. You can see this expansion. You can see teeth moving. You know, it's working. It can work with brackets. One of my um, very, very good friends, he's an ortho and he did his own case with brackets. And so you can do it with brackets. You could do it with a Vivo Suppliance. 
Um, but to answer your question, how many can you fix? That would have to be something where I'd get back to you when they're yeah. done. But it's but, not that it's not working. You know, we evaluate them the whole time. You can see the expansion. You can see it moving. It does take time. But here, I mean, the thing about sleep apnea is that uh, that CPAP machine is not for everyone. And so, you know, I, I would imagine that if you can reduce the problem by 70%, that might still be desirable to a CPAP, which might eliminate it. Right. Um, and, and for that reason, uh, Vivos would, would make a world of difference. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very interested in Vivos in general, and I'm excited that you guys are doing it and you're right. It's relatively new. And in a year or two, I'll follow up with you and find out how those patients are, are doing. So very, very cool. Um, what, why I'd like to go back to you for a second. So you became a dentist and I'd love to know, um, how you decided to become a dentist. Um, at what point did you know in, in high school? Did you know in grade school? Did you know in, uh, in college, how did you get to be a dentist? So I took a very non-traditional way of getting to dental school. Um, and I like sharing that story because, um, I actually did, I just did a, a YouTube live podcast with a dental shadows group, which is a really cool group because kids can't, you know, go into offices now. So they've taken everything online, which is really cool. And so I got to talk to a lot of high schoolers and dental school, prospective dental students about this. And so I say, you know, there's more than one way get, to get there. And it's important to hear the stories from people that have taken a different route. It's not just, you know, high school, undergrad, dental school. I took a huge wide turn to get to dental school. Great experiences. Um, but no, I didn't know I always wanted to be a dentist. I, I knew I wanted the certain aspects. I knew I wanted to work with my hands. I knew um, I wanted to, you know, foster a really good relationship with patients. I knew I wanted to have that quality control over my own work. Those are, those are skills that can transcend any you know, profession. I knew I want to be in healthcare. So that limits it a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I actually was studying to go into cardiothoracic surgery. That's where I wanted to go. I had, was accepted into med school. I'd take, taken my NCATs. So I was born and raised in Canada. I went to undergrad at McGill university, which is in. Yep. And so it is a super fun school. Um, and so I'm a Quebec resident. And so I, it was in my and in my third year, beginning fourth year, right? You take your MCATs, you do everything. I had acceptance through to go to medical school. Um, and um, from some personal and some professional um, events, I realized that that just wasn't what I wanted to do. And I worked with a cardiothoracic surgeon at the hospital there. And just from things that had happened, I was like, this is not the life I want. It's not the vision of where I foresee doing all the schooling. And then this is what I, that just wasn't for me. Um, and so that was really hard, but it also came as a big blow because that's, that was, like I said, my beginning of my fourth year. And so I've missed the cycle for dental school. Mm -hmm. I've missed all of that. And so my older sisters, she's eight years older than me. So she was finishing dental school at McGill when I was starting um, college. Right. And so I was pretty, I mean, that just pivoted, right? When I, when I was like, this is just not what I wanted to do. I don't see myself. It's not that I don't see myself being in surgery and working with patients. This is just not the field for me. And so um, she's like, come assist me on a surgery. And I said, okay. Um, and so I went and assisted on a surgery and I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. And she, I think 
looking back, she's doing this really cool, like perio surgery and some implants. And I was like, this is so cool. The transformation, the relationship, the trust, all that stuff that we come and love to know about dentistry. Um, it was just so cool to see that. And I was like, this is what I want to do. And so I was a later bloomer. And, and so then, like I said, I missed that cycle. And so I had to come up with a backup plan in my, um, my resume, you'll see, I'm very good at backup plans. And so I went and I applied for, um, in Canada, we have certified dental assisting schools. Um, you have to be, it's a certified profession. And so you can have an expanded functions, um, like a level two. And so that's what I did. I went to it's like Windsor, Ontario, which is right across the border from Detroit. And so I did my CDA, my certified dental assistant level two program. And then our internship, uh, I was the first student that was doing their internship at the Detroit Children's Hospital. And they had a really cool, cool collaboration program where um, you work with kids, with children that were born with cleft lip and cleft palate. And so you had everything from psychology to speech pathology to um, family psychology to all these professions that were here to plastic surgery that were available to kids from the day where they were born all the way up to the 21 years old. And so it was really inspiring to see, to see that, you know, it's not just, you know, dentistry can, is, is such a bigger profession than that. Right. And so um, I then, um, I then uh, I took my Canadian DATs at that point um, while I was doing my um, dental assisting. And so, so I could apply to dental, to, um, to dental schools. And at the same time, so I applied to a couple of dental schools at the same time, I applied for um, a business degree, a master's in business at Harvard. And so I um, got waitlisted for NYU, but I got into Harvard. And so I decided to go there. Um, I knew I always wanted to do a business degree. Dentistry is a business, you know, at the end of yeah. the day to be able to understand that and be able to strategize and, and pivot and do things like that. That's so important um, skills to have. And so I went there and- So you were waitlisted at Stern Business School. Uh, NYU, no, I was waitlisted at NYU Dental School. Oh, NYU Dental School or yeah. Harvard, but you got into Harvard Business School. Harvard. Yeah. Wow. So I went there. Yeah. Very cool. So, yep. Yeah. It's quite a safety school. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so bad. You always have a good backup plan. <laughs> when Harvard, when Harvard Business School, school is your backup plan, that's a yeah. that's a good backup plan. Okay, so so they they welcomed you, and you went yeah. to you. Did you complete your degree? I did. Yeah, I did. And then I, um, funny thing is, I reapplied to dental school. Um, and then I had, of course, another backup because that's just what I do. And so my husband always says, he's like, you're like a contingent Canadian contingency plan. That's what he tells me. <laughs> he's like, always have a Canadian contingency plan. And so um, I, um, the, my backup plan, I applied to the Institute of Human Nutrition. So it was a master's of science in human nutrition at Columbia. And so at that time, schools were starting to not take Canadian DATs. But they, so I was calling and I was like, hey, are you still taking it? They're like, oh, we'll stay, take it. The, we're not sure if we're not taking it this year or next cycle. I was like, okay, well, might as well try. And by the time everything closed and I started getting rejection letters and I was like, I called and asked why. And they're like, oh, we don't take the Canadian DAT anymore. I'm like, mm. thanks for taking my money. And so, <laughs> um, so I went, so I didn't get in that round, obviously. Um, and then I went to Columbia and then did my master's degree there in human nutrition. I did my thesis in early childhood education and worked a lot with the faculty, the dental faculty um, in the graduate programs. And so 
my husband, my now husband at the time, my boyfriend, I had met at Harvard as well. And so he, and I was working as a dental assistant. So when I got my dental assistant degree, I got a part scholarship for school in Boston, in Cambridge. And then the other half, I actually worked with a pedo and endodontist there to you know, make a living. And so, and pay for the rest of my school. And so when I went to, when I moved to New York, um, he had moved to Las Vegas. And so we had done the back and forth and he said, well, why don't you look at Las Vegas? And so I had asked some faculty at Columbia about Las Vegas. And they said, you know, everyone that applies from there has really great experience, which mm. is a fabulous reputation. That's what I wanted. And that was more important to me. Um, it was to have the experience that I wanted in dental school. Mm. And so I was retaking my DATs obviously the American DATs. Um, while I applied that year, I worked at the research lab at the dental school for a year, which is an awesome experience, both with students and faculty. And then I finally got into dental school and here at UNLV. And it was, like I said, it was an amazing experience because we get a ton of experience here. Um, of course, it's like most dental schools, you can get as much as little as you want, but we don't really have the graduate programs like NYU would. So all that work comes to us. So it was really, really exciting, formed some great relationships there. And then just kicked off my continuing education journey from there. And so that's my long-winded story. <laughs> that's such a cool story. Yeah. You know, I know there's there happens to be a dentist with an MBA with a Harvard MBA who's on our board of directors, okay. but she's the only one. The only you're the you would be the second one that I know who's a dentist with a Harvard MBA, and um, you know obviously such a that's such a useful degree. I wonder if you if there's a you ever see yourself in ten years or fifteen years in business not practicing dentistry, but do you see yourself leaving the practice of dentistry for maybe the business of dentistry? Uh, that's so hard. I don't think so. I love I love everything about. <laughs> dentistry I mean you could say oh she's just too young out of school and she thinks that which is fine I mean but I I don't know I just right now no I don't see it leaving complete at some point I could see you know I've done like lectures at the dental school and taught here that's an avenue that I want to pursue for sure but I don't want to lose that practice and that pulse on the clinical side of things so maybe it would go to like a half half thing or something <laughs> interesting interesting well yeah. we have time for one more question and here's what it is this will this will cause you to think a little bit. Imagine an imaginary group of 11th graders that have been selected because they raised their hand and they said they had interest in dentistry. How would you advise them? That's a great question. Um, and I think I would say, you know, there's many ways to get to your goal and you need to embrace that path. Um, there I mean, I'm proof that you don't have to go the traditional route and you need to take advantage of those experiences and set yourself up. We live in a world where, you know, social proof is very relevant and, you know, doing other things makes you a more um, well-rounded, you can connect better, you know, you have better experiences and don't be afraid of that. And it's okay. You can still get to your goal. And I'm still working on my goal. You know, my continuing education path started very, very early. And, you know, from doing COIS and doing um, AID and doing all these amazing programs, um, you need to set yourself up um, from the get-go. And so don't think that that's your end game. Enjoy the journey that you go there and you'll build your reputation from that. It's not just about, you know, the cookie cutter way to get there. And so I think, um, 
yeah, I think you just need to really embrace that and, and embrace those experiences because it makes you you and it makes your reputation and, and you need to have that regardless of anything. And so just enjoy what you're doing and enjoy the journey. I think one of my mentors told me that he's like, just enjoy the, cause you know, you stress out, you stress out, try and get to all these programs and like, chill out, enjoy the journey. I'm like, oh. it's true. And I think, you know, I know you've since only the beginning of this podcast, but you seem to me like an education junkie. So like, there's no end to the amount you mentioned COIS, LVI, Harvard business school, dental school, undergrad. Yeah. Um, so there, it sounds to me like you are a lifelong learner and mm -hmm. um, it doesn't sound like you're finished either. So, uh, so I would bet you that, that that would be part of your presentation to the 11th graders as well. No, definitely. It doesn't end there. I mean, you know that. Most it never know. ends, right. It, <laughs> But, and, and but if you grow to love it, as you seem to have, then it, you look forward to whatever your next inspiring. cool experience is. I love is. going to CE. I mean, you, you have to plan it strategically, right? It, it's not something where you're like, oh, I'll sign up for this. I sign up for this. You don't want to do that. You want to do it. You know, you want good presenters, high quality, and, and seeing people that you'll really learn from and, and take something away. And so it's, it's, you need to be able to continue. You know that, you know, you, you learn it's lifelong learning. You can't just stop. And it's, it's inspiring to go to these meetings and you're motivated. You're like re-energized, you know, dentistry can get tough. <laughs> it is tough. You know, we have tough. one day you're like, I'm so great at this job. And the next day you're like, this is terrible. You know, it's, 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 it's definitely, it can have those ups and downs, but it's re it's definitely motivating and, and programs like, you know, 40 under 40 remind you how many amazing people are out there, you know? And so it, it really does energize you. So. Well, thank you so much for taking part of your Saturday morning uh, to spend some time with me and and to be on this podcast and to to tell us a little bit about um, your background and and how you got to to where you are today. So, congratulations once again on being a forty under forty nominee and winner for twenty twenty. Uh, it's been a pleasure meeting you and getting to know you, and Likewise. I look forward to seeing you at dental events um, in the future. So, thank you once again. Likewise, thanks so much, Rick. I appreciate it. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening in. Don't want to miss an episode of the Driving Dentistry Forward podcast? Subscribe today on your favorite podcast app.